Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. How's it going? All right. Love the snow. I, let's have the snow stop before we have to shovel, right? That would be nice, right? So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm really privileged to, to be here today. And especially like this message, I just, um, it was weird. I was talking to Liz uh, before in our, our prayer time, and I was just saying, man, this one just really, I was just getting this download. And, and so I, I really hope you enjoy what God has for us today. So um, we're in our fulfilled, experiencing the way of the good and kind God. We're in a series now. It's based on a book by uh, Rich Velotis and uh, the good and beautiful, good and beautiful and kind. Um, so we're kind of following some of the topics in that book. Last week, uh, Liz just did this kind of eye-opening, I thought, message of the consideration of principalities, powers, structures that may have an influence on our life, on how we act and how we live our lives. And I even remember the example that she gave uh, going to junior high, I believe it was, with a Snoopy shirt. And I understand that. I had a Snoopy shirt. I wore mine until college, though, just to let you know. So, um, so I understand that, that there are these structures that kind of um, influence us in these systems and um, these different areas that, that influence our behavior. And we're going to talk about today another topic that really is like that. It's another source of influence um, on our lives, something that influences our behavior. It influences how we think about ourselves, how we consider ourselves, and it also um, as you'll see in the, the end of the message, it really influences how we interact with others. And I was trying to, I've got a couple illustrations to illustrate this. Um, the first one um, is from my own life. Now, I never played football in uh, high school. I only played pickup games. And so I was never in the organized sports. But I did, we always played pickups games in the, in the college groups that I was, I, I was once at. And I, I remember this time that it was the one time I had to call my insurance agent and say that I had hit a car, you know, and that was, you know, that phone call really stinks, right? It's like I called up the insurance agent and I said, I just need to tell you I hit a car. And they said, how's your car? And I said, well, you don't understand. I hit a car. So I was going out, I was at a college event, and I was going out for that long pass, and I didn't look where I was going, and I ran smack dab in the rear quarter panel of my buddy's car, and I physically did $2,000 worth of damage. That's right, huh? Yeah. Yeah, huh? You know, and so that was a fun conversation, saying, no, you don't understand. And just to let you know, if you ever do this, that actually... As under homeowners, not under auto. So just to let you know if you ever, that happens to you. But it's kind of funny because I, I did, you know, I did kind of have a scar from that and it, it, it hurt one of my ribs. And I still have the remnants of that. And Jeanette always says, Greg, stop doing that. And I have this rib that kind of dislocates right here and I can kind of go like that and go, oh yeah, there that is, you know. <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> and, um, but it's like this little thing that healed, but it kind of reminds me 
of the trauma that happened in my life. Um, and it's, it's kind of weird. We can have injuries, and sometimes they're physical, that can have a profound influence on our life. You know, every once in a while, I just move that around. I, I remember that story, remember where that came from. But some of these things are emotional in, injuries. Let me give you this example from Jeanette's life, okay? So Jeanette, here's a picture of Jeanette. Do you know, anyone know what ride this is that she is on right now? It's the octopus, that's right. She, and that is Jeanette and my dear mother-in-law, who was about 70 years old, that out of kindness and love for her daughter, went on the octopus. And you can see Jeanette is having the greatest time. Mom, not so much, right? But Jeanette used to have, and I cannot go on those rides, right? I'm like spinny, no, you know, I like roller coasters and stuff like that. But Jeanette used to be like this. I mean, she could be spun around, no problem, no motion sickness and things like that. Well, we went to a, a wedding in uh, Dallas, Texas, one of our friends, uh, Gordon, and we were flying back to New Jersey, and she, Jeanette had always done well on planes, not getting air motion sickness or anything like that, but we were, it was stormy, there's a lot of turbulence, she was starting not to feel well, and she started to, we started to land, and then they pulled up and said, it's too foggy, there's too much turbulence, we can't land. So we circled in turbulence for about an hour and a half. And it, it, was, it was bad. And I, I grew up around airplanes and flew in small airplanes and stuff like that. But Jeanette just didn't do well, you know, there. So she goes, okay, give me the bag, right? And she had all the fun. Suddenly we found out what she had for lunch, you know. And um, ever since then she has had to prepare herself to fly. This event became emotional in her life. And so whenever she prepares to, to actually fly now, she has this whole routine that starts off with prayer, okay? It starts off when we get into the airplane, she finds out where the bag is, but then she's got uh, these gummy things she takes and stuff like that. And so she's able uh, to get through that, but it really keys back to that one experience that really... It had a trauma that, that, that event in her life, really had trauma in her life. And trauma is really kind of a strange thing in our lives in the sense that there's two things that we have in this topic. One, we have the wound, and then we have the trauma of that wound. So, for example, if you look at the definition of the word trauma, it comes from, the, it's derived from a Greek word that means wound. If you look up Webster Dictionary, let me just read the definition here. It's a disorder, psychic, um, psychic or behavior state resulting from severe mental or emotional stress or physical injury. So it's kind of not the wound or injury itself, it's that resulting, um, the resulting emotional stress that that creates in our life or, or mental playback that that creates in our life. There's an author, um, his name's uh, Resmond Menachem, who actually deals a lot with trauma in people's lives. And he, he, he describes it as a wordless story our body tells us about what is safe and what is threatening. So, We've got an, um, 
an emotional, a physical, a mental injury that can happen. That's kind of the wound. And then there's the story that the wound tells in our life and the effect that that has. And that's what trauma is. And that wound can be, as I said, physical. Um, it can be a, something physically that happened to you. It can be actions that have been done to us from another person. If it's an emotional in, injury, it can even be guilt about choices that we have made on our own. And, and not only things that have done to us, but it can be also due to things that have been withheld from us, like love of a parent, acceptance of a friend. So it can be even things that have been withheld. And these wounds often carry various degrees of trauma in our life. And this story that we create about the wound, and even after the wound is healed, can affect our behavior, our view of ourselves, and our view of others or God. And what's really neat as, as believers in Jesus Christ, we know that Jesus heals wounds. And let me tell you something else, and this is kind of the crux of the message. He heals wounds, but he, he also redeems trauma. He also changes story. And my desire, you know, is a lot of times he does this in a way that's different from how I would do it. I like the, I just want to forget about this, right? I want to forget about the story. I want to forget about the wound. But as we're going to see throughout Scripture, I'm going to give you two examples, really three examples in Scripture. We're going to see that Jesus heals and redeems trauma in maybe a different way than, than I would. And I'm going to use this word redeem a lot in the message today, so I thought, you know, I need to really define it for you because it's kind of one of those Christian-y words, you know, it's like, what do you mean by redeem? Use it all the time. What I mean, and if you look in like a Bible dictionary, like the Lexham Bible Dictionary, it says, the release of people, animals, or property from bondage through a payment or price. So the thing to get in your mind whenever we're talking about redemption that there was a price paid and there is a bondage that has been released. So, for example, we always use it in the context of salvation, right? That we were created in the image of God, that we were born in a way that was in a sinful system, and that we actually um, enjoy a price that has been paid for us through Jesus Christ, that he came and paid a price. And if we believe and trust in Jesus Christ, then that relationship with God is put back together, is redeemed. And so Jesus's redemption does not stop, though, at salvation. Um, it doesn't stop just at our, our relationship with God, but it continues in and what I want to show you, it continues the rest of our life as he redeems sometimes very traumatic events in our lives. And, you know, we're going to talk about wounds and emotional wounds and trauma. And I know this can be a little difficult uh, for people. And let me first, I want to be very clear about this, that I am not stating that the wound, that the emotional wound, that, that uh, the thing that happened to you is not evil. Okay, or there might not have been an evil intent there. I'm not trying to gloss over it that terrible things have happened to people. But what I am trying to do is to say that even if that wound came out of an evil system, out of a, a person or another individual that meant something for evil, that the story 
is what we see re redeemed. And, and sometimes we really see a healing there in the wound also. Um, I say we, we always see a healing in the wound also. Um, and so why don't I, let, let's go to Scripture, and I, I just want to show you, we're going to get, do two examples, and then I'm going to give you a third example, an uh, uh, example of a portrayal of this wounding and trauma. So let's go back. Um, let's look at John. We're going to be in the Gospel of John here for the first story. Let me kind of give you the background. This is about Jesus in the Gospel. Um, the, at this time of this story, in John chapter 20, he has discipled these 12 individuals. He has gone through, discipled. You saw the healing. You saw the message. The kingdom of God is here. You saw all of these different things. And then he was arrested he was actually accused and crucified. He was buried. And then he arose on the third day and started appearing to people, okay? He appeared to uh, different people. First, he appeared to Mary, and then he appeared to the three women at the tomb, Mary, the mother of James, uh, Salome, and also Joanna. And then he, at various times, he appeared to the disciples. But now let's go to John chapter 20. We're going to be in verse 24. And so this is after he had already appeared to uh, all of the disciples except for one. And if there was ever a time for FOMO, it was around Jesus. You know, I got that for the youngster FOMO. You know, if you're older, don't know what that is, go, hey, what is that, right? The fear of missing out. Okay, and so we have uh, Thomas there in John chapter 20. It was the one disciple that wasn't there. And let, let's kind of look at what this scene is. Um, it's a, I'm down at verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side. I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he turns to Thomas and he says this, Put your finger here. See my hands Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Have you ever thought about, I, I never thought about this, and they, they brought this up in the book, is that there was still an effect of a visible wound in Jesus' glorified body. That there was something still there to indicate that he had been crucified. And so there was still this event, that this, this, this terrible event of crucifixion, and the wound was still there, but the effect, the trauma, was redeemed. Think about this. There was a wound where a soldier had put a spear in the side of Jesus to show that he was dead, and now that same wound was proof that he was alive. Isn't that neat? And, and you look at this, and I look at the testimony in my life, and, and I think, you know, I'm going to have a good 
testimony whenever I have this perfect life. When I'm going to be able to help people when I'm perfect. When everything is, is, is all right in my life, when I, I don't remember all of the things I've done in my past and the guilt and all of those things. And Jesus says, no, we're going to change your story. We're going to redeem the story of that wound in your life. That even though it might have been meant for evil, we're going to find a way to redeem that story. And sometimes that redemption is, sometimes it's a miraculous one-time event like it was for Jesus. I mean, he miraculously went from death to life. But sometimes this is a long haul redemption story of trauma. Let me give you another example. This is in 2 Corinthians 12. This was a guy named Paul. Okay, so think about Paul. Paul is starting his life. He actually, his name was Saul, and he was persecuting Christians. He was on the front row of the persecution of Christians as a, as a um, person of the law, as, as a Jewish person of the law. He actually obeyed the, the Pharisees and was a keeper of the law and was out to crush the Christians. And by a miraculous event, um, Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and called him. But he came out of this life of persecution, and he went on to believe in Jesus Christ and then write about, I would say, a third of the New Testament as you would look at it. And so whenever he did that, he writes in 2 Corinthians about a thorn in the flesh. In 2 Corinthians 12, it starts off, he, he describes this glorious scene where he's uh, given a presence in heaven. Um, and it's this glorious, like, wow, I'd really like to experience that. And so he describes this glorious scene in heaven where he's taken to, uh, whether it was a vision or some, somehow physically there, um, I don't know, but, but he, was, he was describing this encounter that was like, man, I wish I would have that encounter, right? So very glorious, and then he goes and he says, there's a therefore. So it starts in verse 7, um, actually halfway into verse 7, it says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficult and difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. You know, first week, you kind of are curious about this verse and People have been for, for hundreds, a couple thousand years, really, about what is this thorn in the flesh. And people, some people say it was an eye disorder because there's some reference to him having an eye disorder and not being able to see, to write well. There's another view that that thorn was another person that was always kind of coming behind Paul and, and really badgering him. But I... I don't know, this is my opinion, and it may be right, it may be wrong. Um, I think it was guilt from his past. I think that was his thorn that caused 
trauma in his life. Because think about this, Paul would wake up, and some of us have this experience, you wake up, you think about things that you've done, and you've got this, ah, man, I can't believe I did that, you know? And there's this wound that we have, but yet Paul's wound, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, I know you persecuted Christians. I know you came out of that lifestyle, but my grace is sufficient for you, and you're going to do something different for me. Think about this. The person that persecuted, that thought the law was just everything it needed to be, that person actually wrote these words, for it is by grace that you have saved, that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. He wrote this in Romans. He said, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Do you see the redemption of the story of Paul's life, of that thorn that was in his mind? The person that was persecuting Christians now had the message of of grace. And think about the effect of the, the letters that he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for millennia have brought people to Jesus Christ. Jesus took that trauma and changed the story. And the trauma that we have affects so many people around us, too, as it did for Paul. I mean, we all have been affected by that change in story, that now he does not preach grace, does not preach the law, but preaches grace through Jesus Christ. Um, in the book uh, by, Christian, by uh, Rich Viliadus, Um, He says that we can be wounded warriors or we can be wounded healers. You might have heard this phrase that hurt people can hurt people. That sometimes that event or that physical part of our life um, can be used and we can hurt those around us. Um, We can project shame on others if we're used to have been shamed in our own life. We can be angry towards others because of a thought in our own life that that we don't measure up. We can project guilt because of the guilt that I have and that I have not given over to Jesus. We can withdraw from a relationship instead of putting into a relationship because we have been wronged in a friendship or relationship. You know, wounds can cause us to wound others, but wounds that are redeemed by Jesus Christ can also help us to heal. Uh, John Wimber, who's uh, really one of the founders of the vineyard of, of the tribe that we are a part of, he says this, I never trust a leader that doesn't have a limp. And he's basically saying, you know, if you look at the perfection that's projected, the people I trust are the people that have had some wounds in their life, have had some, some, um, some events, but these events, the story of how those affect others has been redeemed by Jesus Christ. 
Now, in my last kind of illustration to, to kind of bring this point home, um, I've really found this video that's just perfectly perfect for this topic. And it, it comes out of a video series called The Chosen. I'm not sure. How many people have watched any of The Chosen? Okay, good. You've seen that. You know, and, you know, we take it for what it is. I really love the director and the writer, Dallas Jenkins. His heart is to always point, you'll see at the beginning of those videos, it's like, I want to point you back to the Bible, but I'm going to expand some things that aren't in the Bible just for good character development. And one of the things that's happened in that, that's been in my life as I've looked at The Chosen, it's online, it's free. Uh, you can just Google Chosen um, and... Uh, that'll bring it up. Um, and it's actually the largest crowdfunded um, media ever. Uh, he basically has a model where they actually uh, get the money to make the next series, and they do that online through uh, just donations and things like that. So it's really neat to see how God has used this. But the one thing, the most powerful thing, I think, for me watching it is I never realized, like, you look at the 12 disciples that we talked about, right? The ones that, that followed Jesus. And I couldn't believe how two-dimensional I always thought about those disciples. I always thought they had kind of that same personality, you know, ah, uh -huh, you know, that kind of, oh, here comes a disciple, you know, or something. But, you know, it's just a real two-dimensional, you know, they all just love Jesus. Yeah, we know a little bit about a couple of them, maybe. And the one thing that he's done, and, and some of these things are really his opinion and outside the Bible, but he's at least brought personality, a three-dimensional uh, perspective to these disciples. I, everyone, I, one of my favorite ones he's done is Matthew. I love Matthew, he's really projected him as kind of this nerdy, almost ADD kind of guy that uh, was a tax collector and is figuring out how to follow, follow Jesus. And you see kind of his personality, um, you know, as it's changed, but also as it's used by Jesus Christ. And you see all these different personalities. Well, one of them is a, a disciple, one of the disciples that they uh, have in that movie series is called Little James. So there's two James, and they call them Big James and Little James, you know, just like we would do if we were a bunch of guys. We would probably give them the same nick nicknames. Um, and it's interesting because the way that Little James, one of the disciples, portrays is he, he's got a limp, and he's got a very noticeable limp. He has a cane. And I looked into this a little more, and it turns out that it was actually the, the actor had a limp like that. And the actor's name is Jordan Walker-Ross. And listen to what he says about um, him getting this part for this. He says, I have severe scoliosis, a minor, uh, minor cerebral palsy. And because of my condition, I have pretty noticeable limp, very limited flexibility in my torso and legs, and I'm much shorter than the average person. Needless to say, my physical differences have negatively impacted my opportunities as an actor. I have been told by casting directors to lose the limp and was even cut out of projects because of my limps. And so the story goes on to say that he went up, uh, Dallas Jenkins came up to him and said, you know, are you all right? You know, you're limping. And he just right, well, this is really a physical thing for me. And 
Dallas made this wonderful decision. He goes, let's lean into that. Let's not just cover over it. Let's lean into that. Let's make this disciple one that had a limp. And so the scene that we're going to be about is about the little John disciple who has a limp as it's portrayed. Um, and this, this scene is actually given when he was sending out the disciples two by two. So Jesus had spent about a year and a half discipling the disciples. You know, they saw him heal. They saw him cast out demons. They saw him preach. And then he actually said, okay, now go out two by two. And he had sent them out. And so little John comes back to him in this scene. And the scene's about, this is a little longer than I usually show videos. It's about six minutes long, but I think it perfectly... Um, really portrays the idea I'm trying to get across to you. So can we go ahead and show that video? We'll watch it here together. Master. Little James. May I have a moment? Of course. I am... Um... Forgive me, I'm uh, not always confident to speak. Slow to speak, it's a very good quality. <clears throat> I wanted to ask you a question. Please? So you're sending us out with the ability to heal the sick and lame. Yes, that, that is what you said. Yes. So you're telling me that I have the ability to heal. <laughs> Forgive me, I just... I find that difficult to imagine with my condition, which you haven't healed. Do you want to be healed? Yes, of course, if, if that's possible. I think you've seen enough to know it's possible. Then why haven't you? Because I trust you. What? Little James. Precious little James. I need you to listen to me very carefully. Because what I'm going to say defines your whole life to this point and will define the rest of your life. Do you understand? In the Father's will, I could heal you, right now. And you'd have a good story to tell, yes? Yes, that you do miracles. And that's a good story. But there are already dozens who can tell that story. And there will be hundreds more, even thousands. But think of the story that you have, especially in this journey to come, if I don't heal you. to know how to proclaim that you still praise God in spite of this, to know how to focus on all that matters so much more than the body, to show people that you can be patient with your suffering here on earth because you know you'll spend eternity with no suffering. Not everyone can understand that. 
How many people do you think the father and I trust this with? Hmm? Not many. But the others, they're so much more. So much more what? I don't know. Stronger? Better at this? James, I love you. But I don't want to hear that ever again. I know how easy it is to say the Song of David that I fearfully and wonderfully made, but it doesn't make this any easier. And in this group, it doesn't make me feel like any less of a burden. A burden? First of all, it is far easier to deal with your slow walking than it is to deal with Simon's temper. Trust me. Are you fast? Do you look impressive when you walk? Maybe not. But these are things the father doesn't care about. You are going to do more for me than most people ever dream. So many people need healing in order to believe in me or they need healing because their hearts are so sick. That doesn't apply to you. And many are healed or not healed because the Father in Heaven has a plan for them which may be a mystery. And we remember what Job said. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you pass from this earth and you meet your Father in heaven, where Isaiah promises you will leap like a deer, your reward will be great. So hold on a little longer. And when you discover yourself finding true strength because of your weakness, and when you do great things in my name, in spite of this, the impact will last for generations. Do you understand? Yes. Thank you, Master. A man like you, healing others, Oh, what a sight. I can't wait to hear your stories when you return. Shalom, my son. Shalom. And James. Remember. You will be healed. It's only a matter of time. I think that just really is an illustration of what God does with the events in our life. Um, we go to God and we ask for healing of events, and he does that in miraculous ways. 
And sometimes that healing is that instantaneous, amazing resurrection power healing. Sometimes that is the healing of the trauma of the story that that will cause. That it will cause God's kingdom to be expanded and not doubted. Um, I look at that story and, you know, I, I think of the things that we do and sometimes we concentrate, if only God would, then I will. But sometimes God's just given us the, you know, I'm there for you right now. And I'm there for that healing of the trauma. You know, I told the story about Jeanette in the airplane, and um, it's even illustrated this last time. We just came back from Florida about a week or two ago, two weeks ago. And she was on the plane, and she was doing her, where's the bag? Where's everything? And she was sitting beside another woman, looking at her doing that. And you could tell the other woman went through the same thing. And, G, and, and Jeanette got this opportunity through that to share about Jesus Christ with this other woman. That as she was preparing all of these things, she got to share that her hope is in Jesus Christ. So with that, I think there are a few call to actions from uh, these stories. And that there might be a few different things that we can think about today. If you'll bring the call to actions up, maybe if Joe uh, wants to come on up here too to get ready for worship. But I think it, it calls us to reflect. You know, sometimes we still may be wounding others. You know, you may still look at, why do I act this way? And maybe there needs to be a prophetic voice in your life that we would love to pray for to help you to say, you know, why do I have these thoughts that are like this? Maybe it's a prayer or a call to action to redeem. Maybe it's that time that you've had this wound that may have been healed already and you still have the trauma, the story that just puts you in a dark place from that wound. Well, maybe it's time to get prayer to change that story for God to come and for Jesus to come and heal that trauma uh, others of you have a great story that you think, when I'm perfected, I can tell of the love of Jesus. Well, can I just tell you that maybe we need to be restored now? Maybe we need to be these wounded healers that people need to see right now. So as we go to worship today, um, we're going to pray, we're going to worship and then we're going to have a time that we can minister to each other. So if you would, go ahead and stand. Let me just pray us into uh, worship here. Father God, I do thank you that you take what we are and you change our story, Lord. That you are the healer of the wounded. Father God, help us to really not be wounded wounders, but to be people that heal those around us. And Lord, we trust you with that, that we will all be healed in the end, that is for sure. And so Lord, we bring you this time of worship to you because what have you have done and because who you are in Christ's name, amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, 
go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org.